Are you passionate about making a difference through design? Join us at the Human Centered Design Network's Circle, a new private community for change makers just like you. Connect with like minded professionals, gain exclusive rights to monthly learning opportunities, and lead the change in human centered design. For more information, see thisishcd.com. Now, let's get back into that episode. We are thrilled to be the official media partners for the Service Design Global Conference in Toronto this year and are sharing podcasts from the event as it happens. Let's get into this episode. Laura Lorenzo, a very warm welcome to Bringing Design Closer. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. I'm very happy to be here with you. That's great. We're coming from uh, the Service Design Network uh, in the lobby in Toronto and uh, you're actually the final uh, interviewee today. <laughs> so uh, I'm excited. I'm very tired. Um, but I'm really keen to, to hear about your wonderful workshop that was sold out today in, in Toronto. Um, but let's start off. Tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do and where you're from. Okay. Well, first to say it's amazing to have to be here in this sunny day in Toronto. I wasn't expecting that. I am originally from Barcelona, but I'm living in Lisbon. I'm experienced designer. And the f- projects I like the most to do, I, I, I put it into buckets. The translation bucket and the transformation bucket. The translation bucket is a praise that I do uh, on how do I translate the voice of the customer into business terms. So companies do something about it for purpose of improved experience or increased revenue, creating new products and services. And the transformation bucket where I really go much deeper and actually there is a change in terms of the framework, the way you approach the reality, such as the topic I'm working now, which is empathetic workplace, which is the use of service design to think of the employee life cycle and be in life the design vector of that. Wow, great. And what was your workshop about today? Today the workshop was about what do you do, when do you need to do a workshop, and the topic is a taboo. Okay. For example, what, what would you call a taboo? Well, I would call it taboo, talking about, talking about motherhood at the workplace. Okay. In many yeah. countries, is a taboo. Yeah. It's even admissible to talk about that. Yeah, or conflict. Or conflict. Yeah, conflict resolution. So or death, when you're designing services for the elderly. Yeah. So um, you've obviously got some experience in this space. Tell me about your experience about work doing workshops with taboo subjects. So my experience on doing workshops of this uh, nature is that you learn so much with the people. The, uh, in this workshop today, uh, I make them come up with examples. And it was amazing to see how diverse they were, how differently they approached them, and the questions they brought out. It was really, really nice. And it was also really great to combine some theory mm. that... You know, as practitioners, we try and test many things. Mm-hmm. But at times, a theory, you know, it, it can give you the eureka moment yeah. that you connect. Oh, gosh, now I understand why this is all working so well. There is a, a theory component that gives you uh, gives you so much structure to your experience. It makes the world even better. And yeah. that happened at the, at the workshop today. Yeah. So how does it differ um, between, an, say, a normal, I hate using the word normal, but a normal workshop versus a taboo workshop. What are the things you need to be aware of to do differently? And I guess it's probably contextual to the topic. Yeah, that's the thing. So a normal workshop where you have a normal, regular topic that everyone is open to talk about, uh, what your energy goes through is to keep focus so people don't get confused and 
kind of balance uh, conflict that may come from different opinions, and that's it. When you do a worship about taboo, the thing is that people don't want to talk about that. So you need to bring that to the surface. So you need to create trust. You need to create a, a common ground where all of the participants feel com comfortable to talk about and feel also respected on the old ideas. And that is the challenge. You need to make sure in a worship about taboos that there's no confusion, so no energy goes there. So you yeah. organize very well the worship. So your framing has to be on, on point. Oh, you have to do a lot of research beforehand. You, yeah. you have to test any possible angle. And you need to work with the ambience that you built. The which? The ambience. Okay. Ambience, sorry. Am ambience, yeah. And the place. So you work with light, with the sound, in a way to, create tr to build trust, mm. to make trust tangible. And also to bring calm. Is that is the emotion that you want to bring Absolutely. at the worship? So you really need to be creative it really pushes as a, as a facilitator yeah. in the good way i would the, say the sensory aspects of workshops one of the areas that i'm always trying to refine further and people laugh at me but something as simple as the airflow in the room exactly and you know doors the light open, the light doors being open and closed and the music at certain points in the workshop needs <gasps> to change to maintain or the height that things need to happen yeah so if you're with kids does yeah. it make sense to have big tables it doesn't make it wouldn't make more sense to use the 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 floor rather than the, the walls yeah to work and design you know we need to be creative and really question the regular way of doing workshops maybe it's not the best way we need we can think of it many other different ways that are more playful and productive yeah. it's always a, it's a, there's always room for improvement oh yeah but but talk to me about your workshop today so so you had lots of taboos what sort of subjects and what sort of topics were were mm -hmm. being identified as taboos so there was the subject or there was this is something that happens quite a lot in the health sector so how do uh, how do make the communication between doctors and families when they become parents yeah. uh, being productive so there is not all this year going from the doctors they think they're wasting their time talking to families they don't know nothing about it mm. so how do you make that productive and how and the the taboo here was from the doctors that they they don't want to be challenged they don't want to be uh, part of the conversation because they think they don't have to. They are like the God. And there was another about sex in, in the orderly. So how do you sell um, sec, uh, sex toys for this uh, target? How do you approach them? Mm. How do you make them talk about it openly yeah. and freely? Yeah. So you really create services, uh, products that make sense for them. Yeah. There was another one about um, cybersecurity and sexual uh, sex crimes. Yeah. So how do you make possible that citizens trust the the police officers mm -hmm. in a context of cybersecurity? This was a absolutely yeah. And we the last one was about death. Okay. Planning the end of your life. Yeah, end of life planning. A completely and you know a, a such a broad range of, <laughs> of topics. Um, so as they, were, as they were identified, what's the stage after that that you covered in the workshop? Well, here is the thing. There are two thing, three things I need to do. First, figure out beforehand what is the impact of the, this topic on the organization. So you need to really uh, map all these stakeholders. And there are so many exercises I, that I gave them to do. So you can estimate... No, the stakeholder map, yes, you do. But for each stakeholder, then you do an assessment of this particular taboo 
that mean what what is what is being what are the main variables that impact in that definition of table for each stakeholder and you quantify that in order to identify what is which need to be your strategy to make mm. sure that shareholder becomes an ally yeah. and not an enemy yeah so they come to the come to okay. the worship and be yeah. are open to so be vulnerable. So looking at the variables for each stakeholder, ha the categories almost, how mm -hmm. are those determined? H how do you go about determining, uh, like an affinity map of, of pains for each of the stakeholders, is it? Well, um, it's not, it's, it's kind of, it was a kind of a grid that I presented to them, okay. but identify the variables, you need a lot of research. It could be quantitative and qualitative. Okay. But that's, I told them about it. The... Um, Doing a workshop about these topics, it's more than the workshop. So the facilitation is not one-stop shop, yeah. so you do it. It's a process over time that as important it is what do you do before the workshop, as important it is what you do after. after workshop, yeah. Because if you don't do anything of what you find out during the workshops, the taboos become even more uh, powerful. Yeah. Because they get the stakeholders get the sensation and the understanding that there is a taboo and nothing is going to be done. Yeah, absolutely. I know John Curran, uh, who's on the podcast uh, network, he's going to love this topic. Mm. He did a talk at Service Design Days last year around conflict, if you remember that. Um, it's, it's, this is a really uh, interesting conversation for him. So um, after they've identified the stakeholders and the variables that uh, may impact the, the taboo-ness on each one of the stakeholders, um, what, what's the stage that comes after that that you covered in the workshop? So the stage that comes after that, you need to, based on the criteria that impact the most, the variables that impact the most, you make a plan of how do you engage with the stakeholder and make part of the conversation. And then this comes when, when I shared all the guidelines that you need to have to make that worship successful. Mm -hmm. How do you build trust besides being as a consistent professional that is constantly giving transparency about the price so everyone knows what is going on so there is no confusion as part of the conversation. But also, um, ways that you can build trust by bottom-up activities, top-down activities, or outside-in activities. Yeah, nice. So, different ways to make the conversation flow. And then a specific guidelines on the workshop to create um, this common ground yeah. where there is a, the real talk is happening. So, the pre-workshop activities is often a good time to look at those guidelines is that something that you do almost um, across with all the stakeholders or is that something that you recommend is done just with uh, your stakeholder? No, I, I recommend doing with all the stakeholders regardless. Some of them won't be at the, at the workshop mm -hmm. because in, why, in, one, in one way or another, would they will have an impact and they could prevent the results to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So it's important yeah. you know, to get ready for what could come. Yeah. So the success of the project is guaranteed. Yeah. So looking at the the critical aspects of just facilitating workshops, hmm. what do you think? What are the things that you think that the design community uh, could do better? Okay. The thing that they could better is make sure that when you are in a workshop, you of this nature, you manage the team and manage yourself for the purpose to avoid the illusion of work. The illusion of what is that, yes, you, it's kind of, you have a taboo topic and then there is a concept that is related very superfi superficially to that topic. So you stay on that, on that, and you don't even go down. You don't even hold the real talk that you were supposed to be having at that workshop. But yes, you do a lot of stuff. And the reason for this is because you feel uncomfortable with, 
the group is uncomfortable with. So we need to make sure if we are doing this, we really make sure that we hold the real talk and we make that we create the ecosystem for that to happen during that workshop. So give me a little bit more of a, a granular example of what that looks like. So first of all, you uh, like I said, you work with the space. Yeah, the environment. Mm-hmm. So another thing that you need to consider is to take advantage of the culture. If you're doing this for a particular organization, you use that to frame people and to make them feel comfortable. So if part of your culture is ask help, do that. Is which help? Ask help. Ask, ask help. for help. Yeah. Do that. Um, another thing that you need to do is question yourself. How do you feel about it? How do you feel as, about per that particular topic? Mm -hmm. In what way it is? it has an impact on you? Is it preventing you from having the full energy to be facilitating that topic? Yeah. Or on the contrary, it gives so so much uh, stamina that you, you feel so excited. Yeah. And if so, whatever the... the whatever the ways that you that it affects you affects you how can you take advantage of that to make bring that emotion to that people so yeah. is it bring you excitement how can you bring excitement yeah what is what does that look like uh-huh so in in doing so there is a, uh, another um, important aspect is that you allow yourself to be vulnerable mm -hmm. and you allow the others to be vulnerable as well and because we are humans. If it happens to be, for whatever reason, a, a particular person, it's putting you, getting you emotional or, or putting you very nervous about it. Something that I suggest to do is what I say, put in a, sh a chair in the, in, the, in the room for your emotions. So giving, giving a, a chair for your mo emotions okay. to sit. And that is it's a good thing because you make something intangible that as the emotions that are going through to you, yeah become tangible so you take it out so if you give a seat to your emotions is a good way to stay neutral yeah and to stay focused that's a really nice idea of giving the external the emotions a place to sit yeah it could be a chair or any a other, other or thing or yes yeah, yeah absolutely that's that's really interesting so look we're coming towards the end of this episode um tell me about how people can first of all see your slides and second of all, how might they be able to get in touch with you and uh, learn more about uh, Laura Lorenzo? Thank you. So, well, I'm on LinkedIn and also uh, on Twitter. Um, about the, the, the slides, I think the organization would make them available. Yeah, uh, on the SDN website. Yeah, if not, you can reach me out on LinkedIn. That's what I uh, did with the participants. Yeah. They took note and I will send it over. Laura, thank you so much for your time today. It was great chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate that. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you'd like to be part of the conversation or community, hop on over to thisishcd.com where you can join the Slack community and help shape future episodes and connect with other designers around the world or join the HCD newsletter where you can win books and get updates. Subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and listen to any of our other podcasts such as Getting Started in Design, Bringing Design Closer with myself, Jerry Scullion, or Power of Ten with Andy Pallane, or Decoding Culture with Dr. John Curran, Prod Pod with Adrian Tan, and Ethnopod with Jay Hasbrook. Thanks for listening and see you next time.